You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 100. Let's get to the show. Welcome back, my friends. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. This is episode 100. Tomorrow I turn four years sober. What an amazing moment this is. You know, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I was just listening to one of my favorite songs. According to Spotify, it's one of my on repeat and top songs of 2020. It's Revolution Industrial, which is uh, a song. It's a trance song. It's super awesome by Orcadia or Orcadia or Orcadia. He's Dutch. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but he's an amazing DJ. And this song, it is so pump worthy. And tomorrow I will be doing an Instagram live uh, where I will talk about my 100th episode and my four years sober. And I will play this song there. It will be, it will be the, uh, I, I don't know, it'll just be what it is because I just listened to it to pump me up for this show and to get me into a powerful emotional state. I'm not really sure I needed any assistance with that. It is, oh my goodness, to be able to share this with you all, to just, I will say, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's community, right? The opposite of addiction is connection. And being able to share what I feel right now with you, albeit in a more passive way because you're not here in front of me, it is. it just means the world to me that so many of you have gotten on board with my way of thinking, with what I talk about, with what I teach, with, the, with my communication style. So much about a podcast is so determined by the listenership and their willingness to be involved and for them, you know, for you to connect and to reach out and to be a part of my world and what it is that I do here. And it just, it's never lost on me that so many of you are along for the ride and that your journey is being brought to a higher state of consciousness through what we discuss on here what we discuss in our messaging and uh, our DMs and our emails and our phone calls. It's just, it's just, it, I cannot even begin to express how grateful I am for you all and how important you are on my journey, just as much as you have deemed me powerful and important to your journey. It will never be lost on me uh, what it means to have you all in my corner uh, I will always be grateful for what this show has been able to provide all of us, and I will be humbled every time you send me the messages that you do of your strength and of your journey and for what you are you know working through and and becoming yourselves it's <laughs> It's absolutely phenomenal it's phenomenal. the whole thing is phenomenal and to be four years sober tomorrow and to think where I was at four years ago this night, it was a Thursday night, um, just the intense pain my body was in, the detox that I was putting myself through, my inability to stomach water or food. I couldn't even stomach alcohol anymore, and I was trying. And the phone call I made to Kaiser on this day four years ago to just say, hey, you know, I could really use some help. And I've switched insurance providers specifically to be with you, Kaiser, because I know your addiction recovery program is very uh, well publicized and talked about, and I'm, I'm ready to do this. And then, you know, tomorrow, you know, this four years ago, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., I woke up for my job and I went in. And that was the first time I was awake to knowingly be on this sobriety journey. And it's, it's, it's just amazing to think of these four years and all of that, all that has happened and all that I have gone through and experienced and been able to grow and learn through and, ah, wow, wow. And this is why when I see you all post, you know, whether it be, whether it be one month or six months or eight months or three years or 33 years or whatever it might be on Instagram. When I see those posts, it's just, 
I can associate right into your life and just knowing all of the different steps that I've took to get to my next soberversary or to get to, to my next amazing moment in my life that, you know, these lifetime milestones that we are, we know are available to us. Whenever we step into this, we heard other people talk about them. We're like, yes, I want some of that and that, and that sounds awesome. And oh my goodness, look at that person. Look what they've created. If they can create it, then I can create it. And if I can create it, I can show others how to create it. And if I can teach you how to do it, and then you can go off and teach someone else how to do it, then truly the seeds of this mindset, of this thinking, of this way of life can spread to every corner of the planet. It's it's like... You give a man a fish and he eats for a day. You teach a man to fish and then he eats for a lifetime. But if you teach that man how to teach other men to fish or women, this isn't this has nothing to do with gender at the moment. Just let me roll with this saying. Then you teach a man to teach other men to fish and you could possibly solve world hunger. I learned that from one of my NLP instructors. I absolutely love that, that way of envisioning of what it is that I do because I don't just want to teach you guys how to use these growth mindset strategies, how to use reframing, how to use perceptual positioning, how to um, you know step into a world where you seek understanding rather than right or wrong and good or bad, where you begin to expand your minds around the idea that your map is not the territory. You do not begin to understand anyone else's perception of reality. So why are you trying to question their perception of reality? Seek to understand their perception of reality, and then the connection that humans rely upon, right? The, the connection that is hardwired into our DNA, it becomes stronger and stronger because people are people want to be around other people who understand them and care about them and, and ask them important questions and give them the moment to be heard and then also equally give them the moment to be listened to. This is my mindset. And when I hear you reach out to me and say that you have been talking about the podcast and you've gotten other people to listen to it. And then you've gone off and you taught the things that I've taught you to other people. That is what we're talking about. That is the community that we were told would help us blossom into this amazing version of ourselves. And I get, I get very cheerleader, roo, rah, 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 right? I, I get this like soapbox inspirational kind of moment out of me because I see it. I, I don't just feel it and hear it and see it in myself, but I feel it and I hear it and I see it from all of you. It is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. God, it's just phenomenal. <laughs> it's absolutely freaking phenomenal. This is one of those moments where I would just sit here in silence for the next three minutes and just think about everything that I just said and, and, and ponder upon what the next day, what the next week, month, year, 10 years, 100 years of, of people absorbing this mindset, uh, of people stepping into a growth mindset and developing that and cultivating their courage and you know, being decisive and making a decision and moving forward with it by taking action and embracing that discipline and exercising flexibility and, uh, you know, absolutely positively embodying tenaciousness. I mean, yes, I literally just ran through my seven powerful principles from my book, but I mean, when I talk and whenever I I teach and whenever I live my life and I'm running my decisions through this filter that I'm very consciously aware of, these are the principles I'm asking myself, am I standing up for? Am I being a part of this foundational philosophy that I have come up with? Am I actually walking my own walk? Am I actually being a part of this journey that I'm talking about? I'm not just talking talk, I'm walking walk. And whenever I find myself having these emotionally triggered moments where I'm falling back on my old patterns of behavior, I have the tools, I have the resources to check myself before I wreck myself. <laughs> but I do, right? Like we're, it's, it's part of the human experience to fall prey to being overly emotional or to not be using our critical 
faculty skills, to not be thinking things through, you know, to, to be socially unaware at times, to, you know, falter on our morals and ethics and values and integrity and in, in those things slide from time to time. And, you know, the key is, is it's one thing to lose a couple uh, hand grips when you're climbing the mountain and you slide back 20 feet. It's another thing to just completely let go and then just fall, you know, hundreds and hundreds of feet down to the base where we'll land softly on our feet and then we'll carry on back up the mountain because I didn't want that metaphor to turn gross. <laughs> and it's important that we are constantly looking for more resources. Everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have. Some of the resources we have were ones we picked up as children for how to handle our emotional stressors and how to communicate with others. It's important that as we age, we start to pick up new resources, ones that um, have more of a foundation of maturity and personal responsibility, that we accept that it is our choice to respond the way that we do. And it is also our choice to react if that is the way that we choose. Do you want to react emotionally triggered or do you want to respond emotionally grounded? One is the difference between road rage that ends with police officers being involved and the other one is the difference is, is where you're laughing as somebody cuts you off and speeds away and you're like, boy, I hope you are okay and good luck with whatever's going on in your life. That's reaction and response. We have that choice for how we move through this world. We cannot control the world around us we can only control how we respond to the world. So when I was thinking of all the things that I would want to talk about on my 100th episode, and I'm like, I'm sure I must have gone through hundreds of things, you know, over the course of the last two years, I should totally mention that one day when I hit a milestone episode, I don't even remember what my 50th episode was about. So maybe it's, Maybe I'm putting a, an importance on this now. And once I get to 150, it'll be like, well, I'm already halfway to 200. So, and can't wait for 200. That's only two more years away. I'll be celebrating seven years by that point, or six years, thank you. And if you think about it, in reality, when I turn four tomorrow, I'm actually beginning my fifth year. What will my fifth year look like for me? One of the goals I had set out when I first got sober was to write a book on my addiction recovery journey with so many of these principles and, and these, these thought processes that I use to reel myself in when I begin to, you know, behave in my old manner through my old programming. And so I thought, okay, great. You know, I'll look it over and, uh, you know, um, the book will come out next year on my soberversary. So that is something that I'll start working on later this year. Um, I wrote a book for College Success Habits, my other podcast, and that took me about 100 hours to get uh, from start to finish to get completely done. And so I'm figuring, okay, you know, that's certainly something that's attainable this year moving forward. And, you know, I can't wait. And it's one of the reasons why I'm putting the program together now. And I'm coming up with all these PDFs and my ebook that uh, one of my loyal listeners helped me edit over the summer. I got it done, but I shelved it because I wasn't too happy with the way that it flowed. I have a much better idea of what that book could be now. And so that'll be coming out within the next three months. And it'll all just be a culmination. And when we start thinking about looking back over our journeys, hopefully you all are being very aware of these amazing milestones that you're hitting and, and you're being happy about the fact that you've hit them and that you've earned them, right? No one gave you sobriety. You committed to not getting intoxicated anymore and then you equally were disciplined and took action each day in order to move forward on the journey to heal the suffering that, that brought you here, to unearth all of the bad programming, the programming that's no longer serving you, and reprogram yourself in a better, more beneficial way, not just for yourself, but for those in your inner circle, for your friends and your family, and of course your community, and then on a broader scale, you know, you being kind to one person today could mean 14,000 people later, somebody's kind to somebody else in Zimbabwe or Sydney or, or, or Laos or Cambodia, and that person decides not to harm themselves that day. All because you were kind to one person today, 14,000 people, it's paid forward and you've saved a life and you'll never even know. You'll never even know. But because you put that positive energy out there, that positive energy spread. 
and it's one of my guiding tenets to, to this whole paying it forward and being of service to the community. I had to take a little water break there because I am, my mouth is dry. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. So I came up with a short list because I didn't want this to turn into a four hour long podcast. Um, a short list of the, and I titled it when I first came up with this, like, what have I learned about myself? And whether this, you know, when I look back at it, um, you know, I got, I'm very hard on myself. I'm more aware of my fixed mindset areas. I am very driven in the, and that is a blessing. Language matters and words are important. There is no destination. Quotients, you are the tree metaphor. And then another one, elephant metaphor. So, I don't know if this list ultimately turned into everything that I have learned, but certainly today and over the last week as I've been brainstorming up ideas for the program and having conversations and doing Instagrams here and there, I pretty much turned all that off Instagram and social media over the last week as I began to develop the table of contents and start to lay out what the what the program is going to ultimately flow with. But this is what I really started to hash out today. And so let's get into this because, again, I don't want you to be here for four hours, but I certainly want to bring you value in in some little golden nuggets of wisdom and some little food for thought (laughs) so that you could walk away from this with uh, some some new ways of seeing things, right? We're all doing the best we, we can with the resources we have, and we're looking to develop new resources. And we realize that what we see is not always what we get, that... You know, there, there's a whole world around the corner, and it's just a matter of us taking the steps to get there. So some of the things I've learned about myself, and this was very easy, very easy. It's like my fingers just started to write it before I even was conscious of it. I am very hard on myself. How many of you can relate with being very hard on yourself? I go up to the loft to work out and I'll shred it and I'll do great. You know, I, I'll push the weight or I'll, 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 I'll decrease the rest time or whatever it is that I do. And when it's done, you know, it's like I still think I should do more, even though I was, you know, my body was shaking at the end because it was so cashed out. And uh, I, you know, I stand in this office or on this computer and, you know, I produce this content and I coach the people and, and, and I work towards this betterment of myself and, and all done in the idea of, okay, how can I bring this to the community? How can I help others uh, grow beyond their wildest dreams? And, and so I get down on myself a, a lot because, and I don't seek perfection. I seek progress. Sometimes I want to seek faster progress, right? And it's, it's, it goes back to a lot of us stepped into addiction recovery, certainly sobriety at least, with this idea that we wasted a lot of time. So I can get down on myself whenever I don't feel that I'm being as productive as I could be. When I get down on myself, it's generally when I about the decisions that I've made that I deem careless or unthought out after the fact. You know, selling my cryptocurrencies whenever they were stagnant back in November just to watch them, you know, double and quadruple in the last two weeks I mean, I have been beating myself up about that on the regular and, you know, I'll work my way through it with some NLP practices. You know, I've got, I've got different ways of going back and looking at the situation and understanding why I made the decision that I did and then bringing that lesson up to now to make sure that moving forward, I don't make similar mistakes when it comes to my investments and, and my finances. Whenever I, you know, skip a workout in favor of, you know, sitting on the computer and reading and learning for another hour, it's like I've already read and learned for eight hours. Why don't you go and and be a part of the physical fitness community by being in your loft, even if it is by yourself and gyms aren't open still? But I'll go back and I'll I'll, I'll beat myself up. Oh, you you could have done that and you could have done that, and it doesn't help. It doesn't bring a benefit beating myself up. And I read somewhere that a study was actually done that when you negatively self-talk to yourself about something, the going idea is that you will actually do it better the next time, that you'll learn from that mistake because you beat yourself up, because you punish yourself. Next time that a similar decision comes to your plate and you have to make a choice, you know, left or right, you'll make the better decision. This study said that's not the case. That is not the case, that you will not 
learn from that mistake, but you will rather be guilted in trying to make up for that mistake, that perceived mistake then, by doing the same decision now, hoping for a different result. And I know that's the definition of insanity. We all have read that somewhere and heard somebody say that. But if you think about it, it's like scolding a child for leaving their backpack on the floor and then being surprised the next day that they left the backpack in the same damn spot. What I have found is that when I unearth the reason for why I made the decision that I did, what was the emotional energy? What was my mental faculty telling me to do? Generally, if I go back and and I can say, okay, that was not the best decision for that moment in time, I'm more often than not in an emotionally triggered state. When it came to the Bitcoin, I had this idea that I could pay off my debt, that I could get myself out from, you know, the the debtors. I mean, I'm not, you know, kajillions in debt by any means, but I don't like having money loaned out for credit cards and bank loans for a car and stuff like that. So I thought, okay, great. I can make this move and I'll be able to pay off my car. And it didn't work out the way that I wanted to, but I was in an emotionally triggered state of scarcity, of feeling a, a sense of overwhelm by this money that I that I have owed out. And therefore, I wanted to magically push a few buttons and just expect it to be solved by some algorithm and a bunch of bots who buy and sell cryptocurrencies at a blink of an eye. So that was not a good decision. <laughs> and it was emotionally triggered. So when you think about why you're hard on yourself, is it because you're making decisions and from an emotionally triggered space? Because if you thought something out and you've really come at it from an emotionally grounded scenario, more often than not, you'll at least be able to say, well, I thought it out. I was grounded. It seemed like a good decision at the time. It didn't turn out to be one, but at least now I know that the results from choosing A went this way. Let's do B next time. But when you're in an emotionally triggered state, a part of your mind will be saying, well, had I been thinking emotionally grounded, I would have done differently. So next time this comes up, I'll just be emotionally grounded. But then you find yourself emotionally triggered, thinking that you've grounded yourself and not, and then you make a similar decision and it turns out a very similar way. So actually be emotionally grounded. Take some deep breaths, step away from the computer, walk away from your partner, walk away from the member of your family who's upsetting you, walk away from the coworker, walk the frick away. Take a breath, get yourself centered. Then when you make a decision from this grounded place, you will be less likely to be hard on yourself. And again, I I speak in these wildly, sometimes almost vague abstracts because The human condition is abstract. There's a reason why psychology is is a study of human behavior and not the study of the human mind. We can observe behavior, therefore it's a science. If you can't observe something, then according to science, if if it cannot be observed, it cannot be a science. And since you cannot observe the human mind in action, you can only observe the behavior that comes from the human mind. Therefore, psychology is a study of human behavior even though everything that we see within behavior is happening within the mind. It is NLP that has taken from the best psychologists who have studied human behavior, NLP has determined patterns that more often than not play out a particular way. They've come up with processes to go in and reframe things that have been experienced, whether it's, you know, whether you reframe the feeling, reframe the sound, or reframe the sight, in some cases even taste and smell. When you do this, you are now able to go back and see things in a whole different light. And when you can shift your perspective even one degree to the left or the right, you go from standing behind the tree where you see nothing to standing to the side of the tree where you can see a lot more. <laughs> Not everything, because that tree is still in your vision. It's just more off to the right or left, right? But do another five or 10 steps to the left or the right, and now all of a sudden you're in a wide open field and that tree is behind you. So when you're very hard on yourself like I am, look for how you've been making decisions emotionally grounded and start to uh, look for ways you've been making these decisions emotionally triggered and look for ways to emotionally ground yourself. I can't possibly come up with every scenario for how you all choose to ground yourselves, but you know. And if you don't know, then you can always go on YouTube and and type in meditation or how to emotionally ground myself. There's plenty of things. I've got ideas, but look, the podcast is already 25 minutes and I promised you not four hours.
All right, number two. I am aware of my fixed mindset areas. I'll repeat that because I paused to take a drink of water. Number two, I am more aware of my fixed mindset areas. And I work on them regularly, but by no stretch of the imagination have I eliminated them completely. And honestly, that is probably not possible anyways. To completely eliminate negative thoughts, automatic negative thoughts, your fixed mindset in certain areas, right? I mean, you think about the infinite different areas of your life that you could possibly have a fixed mindset in. You might be great at boiling noodles, but you're afraid that you're going to burn an egg, right? It's just because you can cook noodles doesn't mean you can cook an egg. So you could very easily have growth mindset in one aspect of your career or your life. And in that same area of exercise or nutrition or your your abilities at your career or within a computer, you can say, well, I'm great at Excel, but I'm not so great with Google spreadsheets. Like you can be fixed. I don't think that it's possible to completely remove fixed mindset areas from one's life. I certainly wouldn't use a definitive and say it's absolutely impossible because again, in a universe of infinite possibilities, why can't that be one? Why couldn't it be possible to remove all fixed mindset areas? I think more apropos to this conversation would be the ability to catch yourself using fixed mindset language, and we'll go more into words and language here in a moment, to catch yourself using fixed mindset language and then correct it. A lot of people have conversated with me on my and again, we'll get into language matters and how words are important. A lot of people have conversated with me on how I seem to make a really big deal out of the most minor of vocabulary changes in a sentence. And it's because I really do believe that if you continuously use the same negative thought pattern to beat a certain negative um, opinion about yourself or somebody else into your head, eventually it just gets chiseled out in granite rather write it in mud during a thunderstorm than chisel it in granite. So I'm okay if something comes out of my mouth that is fixed. I will just do my best in the moment to catch it and begin to shift it. My old uh, disposable trends buddy, I used to do a a, uh, a YouTube series called Disposable Trends with Thomas Jordan. You can, he's got a podcast on how to put together YouTube shows now. If you guys ever Google Thomas Jordan YouTube podcast and he'll pop up. But anyways, my point of bringing him up is when we first met, uh, we were on camera, both of us a lot. And I would use the word, especially, I love the word, especially I, it really does. I say it a lot back then I would pronounce it, especially with an X. So it'd be E X instead of E S. So it's, instead of, especially it was especially. And he was checking me on that for six whole months. Every time I said it, all he would say back to me was especially. He wouldn't get on me, wouldn't, ah, you're still saying it wrong. You're a stupid moron. No, uh, I'd say especially, and he would just say especially. Repeat, he would just interrupt whatever I was saying, especially, and then I would just repeat it back, especially, and then just carry on with my sentence. And it took about six months. But we finally together broke me from the habit of saying especially and got me to start saying especially. It's one letter. Is anyone really going to matter or mind that much? But when you're on television and you're on a red carpet or you're doing news and you say it especially and people know that it's actually pronounced especially, some of them can immediately take on a viewpoint that I don't pronounce words right. So therefore, I'm not to be trusted. And even though I'm doing the news you know, and everything I've, I'm saying has been fact-checked and I am on, I am proper and I am standing up for this and I know that it's it's good news. I'm just reporting the facts, ma'am. I still, doesn't matter. If they hear me say, especially, they're going to think, I don't know, this guy's, a, this guy's a bozo. He's saying, especially when it's especially, I'm not listening to this bozo anymore. And they turn me off and my, my, my channel loses rating share and I find myself out of a job. This was the motivating factor to get me to change from especially to especially. I tell you this story in as fast as I possibly could in order to highlight how important language is. And we'll get to that in a moment. But just think about that. I put six months of effort into replacing an X with an S. Imagine how much effort I put into 
replacing the word can't with yet. Okay, so I am very driven, and that is a blessing, number three. It is. It is, it is a blessing that I am this driven. It is. You know, whether it came from my dad's just oppressive nature with me about my grades when I was young, uh, whether it came from just not wanting to be perceived as stupid, whether it came from me always being the new kid in school and wanting to impress the teacher so at least I would have one friend in class for the nine months we lived in that town, whatever it might be, I am driven. And I think it's a blessing. I honestly do. I have to check myself sometimes whenever I stand in my office for five straight days for 12 hours, you know, creating content and learning and being on Zoom calls and coaching and, and all of the things that I do. I have to mind be mindful of that. I just discussed about the working out, you know, over the last six to, weeks to eight weeks, I have skipped a lot of my workouts and it's showing and the holidays came about and I definitely ate a lot of sugar. So I have to be mindful of areas where I get super driven that I just start to let other things fall, fall apart, right? We talk about the three spheres that we all have in life, career, self, and relationships. These spheres are not made of glass. These spheres can bounce back up to you. It's just, if you ignore them long enough, they'll just become much heavier. They fill with sand and then that sand can, can turn into, to like hardened rock before you know it. You've literally just got, you know, a whole sphere full of like solid rock. And it's very difficult for you to break that rock back up to get it to turn back into sand so that you can shake it clean and get it to bounce again. Hopefully that metaphor landed with you all. Picture three spheres like basketballs, career, self-relationships, right? You keep them moving. You keep all three moving. You keep them bouncing. They're great. But you let it just sit there in the corner and next thing you know, it starts to get flat. Next thing you know, it's filling up with sand and then it's a rock, right? You want to keep all of your spheres bouncing and moving. And if you're focusing on just one, the other ones begin to start to deflate. No one can bounce a flat ball. It sits in the corner and before you know it, it's full of sand. I used to have a basketball back on the farm that some way or another accumulated sand inside of it. There, we, there, you couldn't squeeze it completely shrinking, so there wasn't like a major hole in it. But one way or another, somehow sand would get in there because we'd shake it around and we would hear it. And I'd never understood that. And that's what made me come up with that metaphor a long time ago. So, be driven. Enjoy your passions. Turn them into your purpose. Just don't let other areas of your life become so neglected that they begin to gather cobwebs and mold. Be actively focusing on all three spheres of your life, career, self, relationships, because it's when all three of those are in unison that you really begin to grow into this empowered version of yourself that you have desired for so long. It is, it's available to you. You know, the three most important decisions a human generally, and I read this somewhere, the, the three most important decisions a human has to make is who they're going to love, where they're going to live, and what they're going to do. Well, that's where these, if you think about the three spheres that I have just explained to you, where, what are you going to do? That's your career. Who are you going to love? That's your relationships. And where are you going to live? That's, that's a choice yourself has to make. You know, it is important that you also see your relationships as just generally everyone you come across, right? You see your career as being something that can either be a, a trudge through or it can be something that brings you up, right? And with yourself, you can either choose to to let your limiting beliefs and your traumas and your suffering become a burden or you can take them off of your shoulders and you can place them on the ground and use them as stepping stones to your highest self, right? Let's not use words like obsessed in our lives because these words have negative connotations, right? And I'm going to talk about that now in number four. Language matters and words are important. Would, should, could, replace them with will, shall, and can. I will do that. I shall do that. I can do that. Not I would, should, could. Another pause for a water break. That's three already. It sounds like my voice is, I've been on calls all day long since 9 a.m. And I decided to shoot this podcast after that. (laughs) It's six o'clock now. So that's like nine straight hours of talking. And now I'll do a podcast for an hour. Anyways, would, should, could, will, shall, can. I don't know how to do that. Replace that with, I don't know how to do that yet. The power of yet. 
you may not even ever want to actually do that. So if somebody says, you play the guitar? No, I can't play the guitar. I, I will say, no, I've, I've yet to prioritize that in my life. Right? I would like to play the guitar. You know, do you know how to play racquetball? No, never prioritized it. Meaning, yeah, it's not that I can't. I don't think I've ever picked up a racquetball racket. There's a difference between, you know, I don't know, practicing racquetball for a hundred hours and then saying you can't because you've actually not just been practicing, but you've been you've been doing the actual act of racquetball. So even when you say, Oh, I've been practicing the guitar, you've been playing it. <laughs> it's like people who say they can't sing. Yes, you can. Sing a song right now, even if it's just happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. There you go. I just sang. Now, am I as popular with my singing as Beyonce? No, I am not as popular with my singing as Beyonce. <laughs> can I sing like Beyonce? No. If you're, if it's, if the idea is, can I hold a note and, you know, link tune together as well as she does? No. But can, do we both sing? Yes. Different levels of singing, but it's still singing. Another thing I put in the show notes: obsessed. I mentioned it up here with I am driven. Be be really careful about obsessed, right? It's to preoccupy or fill the mind of of yourself or of someone else continually, intrusively, and to a troubling extent, right? I also put in the notes, when someone is obsessed, they've lost control of their feelings about the object of their obsession. The adjective obsessed is often used to simply mean very interested, but that is not at all what it means. When someone is truly obsessed, their interest has become compulsive and they begin to lose control over it. We were all, in our own varying degrees, obsessed with being intoxicated. You may have started off with a little bit of weed here, a little bit of vodka out of your mother or father's liquor cabinet, or pinching a little bit off from your grandpa's supply. But at some point, it became an obsession where if somebody told you, hey, why don't you huff this paint thinner? It'll get you high. You thought, well, that's not like a good idea. I think I should do that while I'm also in a garage full of open gasoline cans, right? Like at some point, just changing, altering your state in an, intox- in an intoxicating way became an obsession. Liking dogs is not an obsession. Now, if you have 147 dogs, okay, now it has begun to become compulsive and you've lost control over it because 147 dogs is, is, is probably against many sanitary laws, let alone probably not to the best lifestyle choices for yourself or all those dogs, right? But, you know, being obsessed with... Um, collecting Disney figurines. I mean, I suppose if you sell all of the things you own so that you can have all the Disney figurines possible and they're everywhere in your house and you spend hours and days and months of your life on eBay buying more Disney figurines, now it's become compulsive and you've lost control over it. Having 117 Mickey Mouses in your house, but doing so in a way that doesn't cause the rest of your life to fall apart is not an obsession. It is a very deep-rooted interest Bordering on passion, perhaps, but not obsession. I have used obsession before, right? I've let people call me OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. People with no doctor qualifications at all who see me check all my doors before I walk away from my house or walk away from my car three times. That is not OCD. I am generally not present in the moment when I'm locking something because my brain is off daydreaming about 15 other things. So I don't remember locking the door. I check it three times and make a point of saying to myself, Jesse, the door is locked. And I even once used to wear rubber bands around my wrist and flick it so that I would remember. And so five minutes later when I'm driving down the street and I'm like, I left my front door unlocked. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. My wrist is still stinging. Yep, my wrist is still stinging. Definitely locked the door. No one has the right to call you obsessive compulsive just because you might have a tick or something that you do more often than they do. That's their perspective of your life through their own eyes, through their own perspectives. If I saw somebody check their door 17 times, I wouldn't think it was obsessive because I check it three and sometimes more. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, they just have the number they've settled upon. I settled upon three. I could just as easily settle upon 17. So let's stop using the word obsessed. 
right? Let's let's start using the word passionate and interest. And um, if we're really going to be mindful of language, I shouldn't tell you to stop doing something. I should say let's be mindful of using the word obsessed, and be and e- be equally as mindful about replacing it with the word interested or passionate, because telling somebody to stop something doesn't make sense to their brain. If I told you to stop picturing a pink elephant, right? Do this right now. Don't think about a pink elephant. Whatever you do, do not think about a pink elephant. And definitely do not think about a blue dog. And for all that is holy and sacred, do not think about King Kong. Do not think about T-Rex from Jurassic Park. And do not think about Simba from The Lion King. Do not. Do not. The world depends on you not thinking about pink elephants, blue dogs, King Kong, and Simba. And guess what? You thought about them anyways. Because the brain doesn't understand the idea of not doing something. So if we're going to be mindful and we're going to be thinking about the languages that we use, then it's equally important that we start to replace it with more healthy habits. And that would be saying things like, well, I just did. Instead of saying, don't picture a pink elephant, right? You would say, just just don't ever say, just, I don't know. I don't know how to finish that sentence. <laughs> Let's do it this way. Let's go back to the original reason why I just did the whole pink elephant blue dog thing. If I tell you to stop using the word obsessed, your brain, just like I, I just told you to not think about a pink elephant, it immediately wants to do what it was told not to do. All it heard was say obsessed because it doesn't understand the word don't. The brain, it, it speaks very much in concretes. So instead of saying don't say obsessed, you would replace it with say interested and passionate more often. Instead of telling a child not to drop a glass, tell them to hold onto the glass tightly. Instead of saying don't spill it, you could say make sure all the liquid gets into your mouth. I know it sounds a little bit like a lot more, it sounds a little bit like effort when you start to look at all these little sentences and all these little words, but I can assure you they have meaning. And you tell a kid not to drop a glass, just like I told you not to think of a pink elephant, what do you think that kid pictured in their head just then? They pictured themselves dropping the glass. It's almost like they've already lived through the experience of dropping the glass, so it's only a matter of time before they actually drop the glass. Tell them to hold onto the glass tightly and make sure all the, all of the, the juice gets into their mouth, and then that's what they'll picture. I'm telling you, this stuff works. Another word that's really important, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed means to overpower, to cover, or bury. Are you really overwhelmed with work? Has it overpowered you? Are you covered and buried in your work? How about you become empowered, which is giving somebody the authority or power to do something? It's empowered is to make someone stronger and more confident, especially when controlling their life and claiming their rights. When I introduce to you the program, I can assure you there will be a lot of empowerment uh, lingo, a lot of empowerment words that I'm using because I'm, I'm seeking to help you understand how you can take control of your life and how you can claim back your rights that you deserve, that have always been within you, that you actually stripped away from yourself through your addiction. It's all about empowerment. All right, you have to be aware of what people are saying or writing around you. You have to be aware of this because when it comes to languages and words, right, people can be using what they say to you or what or what they're writing in, in order for you to read it. They can be doing this in a way that, that, that wants to manipulate you, right? There's, there's negative manipulation or positive influence. And you have to be very mindful of the words you're using because are you using those words in order to manipulate negatively? or positively influence. And, you know, this is how I like to, to, to look at it. If you walk into the kitchen and you tell your, your, your loved one that you, that you love them, and you're saying this because you did something horribly wrong and they're going to be extremely angry, then you are saying that you love them in order to, to manipulate the way that they'll react when you tell them this horrible thing that you did, right? That's why I use manipulate around the word negative manipulation for a negative reason. 
if you're positively influencing, you know, you walk into the kitchen, you tell your loved one that you love them, and you're saying this because you're getting ready to tell them that you just got a promotion or you just bought tickets to go on this amazing vacation you've always wanted. You're positively influencing with them with the word love in order to trigger a positive emotional state from them to get them in a heightened state of arousal so that you can give them this good news while they're in a positive, happier state. This is the stuff I'm going to be teaching you guys in class. And I really think that if you're interested in understanding more of this, because this is steeped in NLP, because NLP is really just an entire pseudoscience um, that is centered around the idea of understanding how the brain interprets the reality around it, how the language, how the words that we use actually begin to feedback loop into ourselves that create these negative or positive um, imagery and sights and sounds and smells going on in our head. Now, you know, so that's what neuro is the brain and it's, you know, how the brain interprets the world around it. Linguistic is words and how we use language to build this feedback loop. And then of course, programming in many ways, it could also be reprogramming, going back and finding out where you were programmed in a less positive manner in order to change it up, reframe it and begin to learn from the past in order to accentuate the present and build upon that for a brighter future. Oh my goodness, we're at 46 minutes. <laughs> I've been told by many of you that you listen to this in stints and spurts like I do because um, and that's the beauty of podcasts. It's, it's like you can just pause it and come back. So be aware of how other people are using words around you and be, and be seeking out understanding on whether that's manipulation or influencing. This is happening in news a lot. You know, um, crazy people storm uh, D.C., or um, mild-mannered citizens um, walk around D.C., right? Depending on what news magazine, what news channel you were watching about what happened in this country last week, you would have, it would either have been framed like we almost got taken over by our own citizens or peaceful protesters just decided to take a seat on the stairs. It, it's all about who you're reading. They're using their words, their headlines, this clickbait crap that we're, that we're hitting on and we're reading in our phones. It is not there to just provide us with information. They're using it to manipulate us, to believe the way that they have decided they want us to believe, just so they can make advertising revenue. It's all advertising revenue driven. And they're just going to feed off of the demographic that has shown an interest in the kind of news that they have reported. And if they find out that the base of who's been watching their news show changes to a whole nother value-centered um, kind of way of wanting news, they, if, if they change their opinion, they will. the news channel will change their opinion with the demographic that's paying the bills. That is not how we should be getting our news. So be mindful of how people are using their words and the language. Because it doesn't matter on which side of the fence you're on, we are being manipulated, right? This is where learning the importance of an X over an S allows you to start noticing the, the major differences in a headline and being able to realize that we're being, they're coming at us from all angles, y'all. So be mindful of words because they're important, not just in your own mind, but in the world around you. Number five, there is no destination. There is only the journey. As soon as you get to a destination, your brain is immediately thinking of the next destination. The only destination that we arrive at where we are not thinking of the next destination is the final destination. Other than that, as soon as you get to the top of the mountain, your brain's already thinking about having to walk down it. As soon as you get off the one roller coaster, your brain's already thinking about what's the next roller coaster you want to ride. As soon as you get done kissing once, your brain's already thinking about kissing again or a sandwich or turning the football game back on. There is no destination. We are flying through life. If you have a meditation practice that allows you to quiet the mind and get centered and shut it all down, there is still a part of your brain that is sitting there thinking, okay, 37 more minutes of this shit, and then I get to go off and do something else. I don't know if the brain can ever just completely turn off every single one of its firing neurons along the synaptic highways that will allow it to not be thinking of what could be happening in the next minute or five or 20. 
So when you focus so much on the destination, bypassing all the beauty that is around you along the journey, you really are missing the entire point of the journey to begin with. Because once you get to the destination, you're going to, you know, it's like this. When I went to Zion and I climbed up to the top of, I think it was called Angel's, Angel's Landing. And it's a beautiful, beautiful hike up. And you get up there and it's great. I mean, you're up there and you're on top of these rocks and this view of the Zion Valley is just, it just goes on forever. It is absolutely positively magnificent. The journey up there was wrought with these little pitfalls and danger points. And you had to literally hold on to this very thick chain that had been, you know, been hammered or drilled into this rock in order to not fall 180 feet to your death. I mean, there's some precarious, precarious moments. And, you know, it seemed like it just went by so fast. And I got up there, I'm like, damn, this is a great view. And it was only on the walk back down that I was like, what? I was like, I don't remember us having to go over this territory. I don't remember us having to walk over this particular land. I was like, when did we have to go up this area? And and I got to realizing that there was so much of the journey up that I wasn't even present for, that I wasn't even paying attention to. And it was an awesome journey up. It was an awesome journey down. And I was much more aware going down because I caught myself having not been as aware going up. So just be more aware of the journey right from the get-go and just say to yourself, I will be more aware of the journey as I partake on it and along the way. Right? Instead of saying, you know, don't miss out on cool stuff along the side of the road. Right? Don't think about a pink elephant. Just say to yourself, I am aware of the beauty that is along the path of this journey. And you will start to notice things. On the way to Vegas, on the, I don't know, 10 or whatever it is, I can't honestly remember, 15 maybe. On the way to Vegas, there's these rocks that are stacked up that are painted really beautiful colors. And I think there's six columns, all these different colored, gigantic boulders that somebody to put together this art installation. For, I've been to Vegas 30 or 40 times. For years I've been going to Vegas. I don't ever remember those rocks. And recently, me and my girlfriend were driving up there, and she's like, oh, yeah, I read on the internet there's these really cool rocks. We should totally go by and check them out. I didn't never see them. What are you talking about? So we went and saw them, took some great pictures. In fact, I'll post one on Instagram. And sure enough, now every single time I drive by that area where they're at, my brain sees them. For a decade and 38 times, I never once noticed those rocks. And now I cannot miss them. I've been to Vegas three times since then, and I've seen them every single time. It's amazing the things that we will miss along the journey just simply by not even bothering to turn our head. And I mean, hey, when you're going 85 miles an hour down a highway, of course you're going to miss stuff. But still, let's start paying attention more to the journey. Um, let's go to, nope, I've got one on quotients. I'm going to push that to the next episode. Um, you are the tree metaphor, right? I'm going to talk about being a tree. And in fact, before I do that, maybe I won't, maybe, you know what? I'm going to skip the tree metaphor. We're going to do quotients in, in the tree metaphor at a later date. Um, that was not an intentional cliffhanger. I just think that 53 minutes in, it's about that time that we wrap this up in the scope of what your life can become. You're feeling it and hearing it and seeing it through your own perception of your reality today. When I ask people to set goals for what they can achieve and become, and if I ask you right now to write down the goals for what you think that you can achieve and become, we're running that idea of the goal for our future through the filter of who we are today. Each step along the way, every time we grow, every time we we experience something new and we're able to take the that moment and that experience and we're able to evaluate it and we're able to learn from it, we get better at that experience the next time we do it and better and better and better. And it continues to grow. And eventually we, our faith in ourselves grows and our confidence in ourselves grows and our self-worth and our self-regard grow. And next thing you know, we have this positive esteem about ourselves that we once thought impossible. 
Think about the goals you would have made for yourself on day one compared to the goals that you would make for yourself today. And if I'm catching you on day one, I can assure you, whatever you think that you can achieve, it will 10x. It will 100x. It will 1,000x by the time you hit a month or a year. You guys might hear Buddy the dog cheering me on in the background. He's super pumped. He's super excited about what I'm telling you about right now. He wants to make sure he knows that his ability to be more than just the dog who sleeps 99% of the time and eats all the rest of the time. He has grown in his belief about himself. I want to make this a point as I finish up this portion of the 100th episode because who I thought I could become on day one, at the end of month one, I didn't write it down. I don't have any notes to fall back upon to prove this. But I have this energy inside of me that tells me that I didn't picture it being this. That I was probably hoping I had figured out a career, that I was working towards something good, that I was you know, doing something in sobriety and recovery. Surely I thought you know, on day one or, or day 30, God, I just hope I make it this first year. Hell, I just hope I make it through. Day one, I was probably like, please just make it to month one. Why does my body hurt so much? I hate the way my body feels. When you begin to ask yourself what it is you can accomplish in your life, you're running that decision of what you'll, you'll say you can do through the filter of who you are today. And who you are today is not who you will be tomorrow. You listen to this show, which tells me, because you are here, that you already know that personal growth and development is your highway to your best self. That focusing on this stuff, paying attention to the minutia of an X over an S, is the fruit of your labor is that you will bear witness to the best version of yourself through these mindfulness techniques. I have never once told anybody who listens to this show or in my life that you must subscribe to everything I say. You don't have to subscribe to any of it. You could listen to me just to disagree with me. Now let's go back to that whole, you know, seek to understand and don't think things are right or wrong and we'll come back to you absolute you know, uh, interest and passion in dis- in disagreeing with me. But generally, I'm going to go ahead and assume, which could make an ass out of you and me, but I'll assume anyways, that if you've made it to 100 episodes, you're pretty much on board with this. And because you're on board with this, you are actively paying attention to these things that I say, even if it's just unconsciously at a subliminal level. So heed this advice now whatever you think that you can achieve, you can 1,000 exit and it still isn't at the level of what you could truly achieve. Do not place barriers upon what you think that you can or cannot do. Do not hold yourself back by your limiting beliefs, by negative self-talk or your self-doubt. Want to start a company? Great. Start a company. You want some help? I help people who are in addiction recovery start companies. Right? You want to have better mindset strategies and, and values and, and work on how to, how to figure all that stuff out, you should be a part of my course that's coming up. I'm doing a beta run, right? so I'm keeping it to a very limited amount of numbers. But by all means, if this is something that you're seriously into and you've been waiting for a reason to be more aggressive in a very positive manner in your addiction recovery, to hyper-accelerate, right? to fast-track it, you, you can't make the days of your addiction recovery speed up. You can't just go from day 100 to day 1,000, but you can certainly accelerate your personal growth and development. Send me, I, I started up an email address just for this show, from sobriety to recovery at gmail.com. That is the personal email address that will go, I check it not as frequently as I have in the past, or I should have, but I'm definitely checking it now because I've been spreading the word. If you want to be a part of the beta run from sobriety to recovery at gmail.com, the name of the show at gmail.com is your ticket. Whatever you think you can achieve, you can. 
if you just need to shift your perspective by one degree or look at your life from 90 degree difference, I don't know yet what shifts you need to make, but you feel it, don't you? You know it's in there. It's always been in there. There's a version of yourself that is just ready to break free. Whatever it is you're willing to prioritize will become your reality. Reality is a funny thing. We all see it differently. And it makes me think of the three blind men metaphor. Three blind men can't see, so they have to rely on their other senses. And they're told that there is an elephant in front of them. And one of the blind men grabs a hold of the leg and thinks that the elephant is feels like a tree. It's got a wide depth. It's wrinkly and hairy. So this blind man is just sure that an elephant is just a gigantic tree. Another of the blind men walk up and he gets a hold of the ear. And the ear is floppy and bendable and warm. So this blind man thinks that an elephant is just this floppy, warm, soft, little, gigantic cartilage. The third blind man walks up to the elephant and gets a hold of its nose. third blind man thinks that an elephant is just this long, you know, thin, strong object. All three of the blind men were right. Because all three of those things make up the attributes of an elephant. But they were wrong in calling each one of those different areas of the elephant the elephant. Your life is so much more than just what you can see from your perspective. This is why community is important. Because it allows us to see something in ourselves that we never thought was there to begin with. Sandra, my student advisor at University of Florida, my family or my friends, my loved ones, the people who see something in me that I'm not even aware of yet, it's their encouragement that picks me up on my down days. It's their smiles when I tell them of something that I have achieved and have been working on for months that give me that positive feedback loop to know that I can follow through with goals that I have set for myself. You do not have a goal-setting problem. You have a goal-achieving strategy issue. Everything is available to you. I keep saying this over and over because, one, the human mind only remembers about 10 to 20% of the things it hears the first time, and that isn't an exponential growth. If you hear it 10 times, you magically remember 100%, and it actually just keeps trickling down to the 10th time you've heard it. You might be lucky if you remember 40 to 50% of it. Just because you hear it more often doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get beaten into your head, but by God, I try. Because you listen to this show, I already know that you are well on your way to changing whatever it is you're willing to prioritize in yourself. I would like to thank everyone who's been along this ride with me, whether you were here for a reason or a season or a lifetime, you have all played your part. Everyone who has messaged me, everyone who has called me, everyone who has emailed me, all my friends and family who have patted me on the back or been there whenever I've had, you know, looked at myself from a negative viewpoint. Everybody has played their role in one way or another at some varying degree or another. 100 episodes is amazing. Four years is amazing. I am blessed and honored to have experienced this considering the path that I was on January 12th, 2017. This goes beyond my wildest dreams. And I'm only getting started. Thank you so much for being a part of this with me. I cannot wait to see where we all go from here. Because it's going to be freaking marvelous, people. It's going to be freaking marvelous. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release, and flow. If you are ready to be 
become an active participant in the things that I talk about, email me at fromsobrietytorecovery at gmail.com. Let me know that you want to set up an interview, a conversation to talk about the coaching program. Are you the loved one of someone who is struggling with addiction, who's been in and out of rehab centers, who's relapsed multiple times, or are you just a loved one of someone who hasn't even tried yet, but you know they have it in them, even if they can't see it for themselves? You email me, from sobriety to recovery at gmail.com. I do family coaching. I do one-on-one coaching. I do group coaching. This podcast will always be free, and I will be blessed to do it and blessed for the people who are listening. All of you are important. But there are some of you out there who may not be aware, because I was told today that they, this person, they got a hold of me, and they weren't sure. So I want to make it absolutely positively known that if you are seeking someone, I might just be your answer. I might just be your Obi-Wan. That's going to take a lot of work on your part. Obi-Wan didn't swing that lightsaber for Luke. Obi-Wan couldn't make Luke feel the force. Luke had to do all the work. Obi-Wan just guided him. If you're looking for a brighter light, I might be that guide. Reach out to me from sobrietytorecovery at gmail.com. And as always, every day is the best day of my life because I wake up sober. Here comes year five. See y'all there. Much love. Bye-bye.